I thought today as we continue our look at world building and character relationships, we would talk about some of the other characters. We'd talk about non-protagonist stuff, specifically the antagonist. Loads of people have it in their heads for a number of reasons that it, you have to, you have some kind of responsibility to make the antagonist sympathetic or relatable. You don't. You don't need to do that. That's not a thing. It's not a critical requirement for better quality of writing. It's not the new hot trend you have to get on, you know, get in front of or make use of. It's just an option. It's one thing you can do with a character. And most of the time, it is not even an advisable thing to do. But what is important overall, no matter what kind of story you're telling, is remembering that the world building, uh, like we talked about yesterday, facilitates challenges, obstructs, enables, disables, etc. with the protagonist. The same is true for the antagonist. However, the antagonist or the antagonistic force is more enabled by the world building. Why? because this allows the antagonist to be more of an obstacle, more of a challenge. So if, for instance, the antagonistic force is surviving winter and your character has crashed in the mountains and they've got to like just make it until the, the survival beacon can be found so that the, the search parties can discover them and your character has to survive in the forbidding cold biome or whatever. If that's the case, then the world building and the antagonistic force, the need for survival, the need not to freeze to death, work together because they're essentially and functionally the same thing. If your antagonist is the evil corrupt CEO who wants to bulldoze the malt shop, then it is the rules of the world at the container and the collective level that enable the, the antagonist to do what they wanna do fairly unchecked. So that it is only the local, you know, ski contest or dance off at the end of the story. That's the character's one last shot, the one best hope to win the day against the antagonist. The antagonist has more on their side than the protagonist does in the vast majority of stories and setups because they're supposed to be a challenge and they're supposed to be an obstacle when that isn't the case. When the antagonist and the protagonist are essentially on equal footing, it's not the end of the world. However, you have to work doubly hard on the protagonist side to make the character feel like they've got a chance. We want the deck to feel stacked. We want the character to feel like they've got to work a little harder and be challenged and change and grow and take some risks because that's what allows us, the reader, to stick with the protagonist. We get to follow along that way. That's significant. That's important. And if everybody's just on equal footing because now we've colonized this new planet and it's just as dangerous for us as it is for them, you need to double down to make sure that everybody feels challenged. So you've got to make sure the challenges of the world are clear. Oh my God, there are evil giant space plants that eat us. Well, they eat everybody indiscriminately. So we've got to make those things seem tough. What we want to do when it comes to the antagonist is make it clear that their antagonist benefits from more things with fewer issues than the protagonist does. We want your antagonist to be an asshole, to be a not great person because they're the evil CEO looking to bulldoze the mall shop. 
because they're the king ruthlessly exerting power and exploiting the serfs because they're the evil wizard trying to take over the kingdom. They're the bad guy. We don't need to sympathize with them. We don't need to like say, oh, golly gee, it seems like Fred the antagonist really has a good point. It might be interesting for a few fairly cynical readers to side with the bad guy, but you don't want everybody to side with the bad guy. You want them to pay attention to the protagonist. You want them to care about the protagonist, which means our world building needs to be taken advantage of by the antagonist and worked against or worked through by the protagonist. So let's take a look at each of the three levels and how about, about how that happens. At the container level, at the biggest level of world building, you get fairly equal footing. They're both members of the same kingdom. They're both employees of the same mega corporation. It's the big container and protagonist and antagonist are equally a part of it. Cool, easy, simple, straightforward. If we move down to the collective level, here's where we start to see the differences show up. Because maybe the antagonist is part of one group and the protagonist part of another group. Or not. Maybe they're part of the same group, but there's still a power dynamic within it that separates these two people. Maybe there isn't a power dynamic. Maybe they're just two apprentices looking to advance themselves. But the, pro the antagonist is willing to do things the protagonist isn't. So there are differences, but there's always something that separates the two of them. Whether it's the big collective, I'm the king and they're the serf, or I'm the evil CEO and you're just worker drone number X, or whether I'm willing as an antagonist to sacrifice and blow through some morals as opposed to the protagonist who's good and kind and true and unwilling to cheat or bend the rules. Finding how the container and the collective facilitate the antagonist's sort of goal and agenda and willingness to do things versus the protagonist's unwillingness to do things, whether it wouldn't occur to them to get into a rocket ship and go to Jupiter, or they have a moral code that prohibits them from taking shortcuts or whatever. That's a really interesting and dynamic and critical way to organize what the protagonist and the antagonist go through. Now, at the individual character level, the third level of world building, where we're at the, on the ground floor, boots on the ground level, what we want here is a clear difference in what each character does. Here's what the protagonist has to do over the course of the story. Here's how they get through their day. Here's their daily process. Here's the stuff they're used to versus the antagonist. Here's what they do. Here's their end of things. Here's their operation. Here's how they perceive the world. Now, important note, a lot of that antagonist stuff does not need to be in the manuscript. It just doesn't. It's, it's not important. No one cares about the number of times your antagonist pours a cup of coffee. Nobody cares about how your antagonist has to sit through a 10-15 meeting with their goons. Hand wave that away because we're not following the antagonist. We're following the protagonist. And the world building is always going to be more on the antagonist side so that our protagonist has something to do, some kind of challenge, some kind of effort. When the antagonist has a flaw, and believe me, all antagonists should have a flaw, be it personal like hubris or something more dynamic like they're unaware of the bylaws or something, there's a flaw that the protagonist can exploit that allows them to change the odds, to tip the scales and overcome the conflict of the story. 
It's because the world building has brought about that character's flaw. Let's give one example. In Star Wars, the Empire, although not in operation and in power for very long, they very quickly assert a lot of control, and that control breeds a bit of hubris and an underestimation of the rebels. Whether we're talking about the underestimation of how one small rebel cell can rise up on a planet, or it's how the Death Star is this big, super giant laser platform thing, and they're, the, the, the space biplanes of the rebels are too small. There's always a misestimation, an underestimation on the part of the Empire because their flaw is hubris and they're blind to it. What's your antagonist's flaw that's created by the world? What's the flaw the protagonist will exploit? What's the thing that the world building gives to one side but not the other to facilitate story movement? The, the world of Star Wars gives the Empire enormous ego, an enormous budget, an enormous ability. So that makes our protagonists have to work all the harder in secret with more danger. Think about that power dynamic today. Think about that structure today. And I'll talk to you tomorrow.